we always have this very kind of funny slash revealing conversation where they say like, well, what if someone reviews us and leaves a negative review? And it's almost like they don't realize that they've already got hundreds of reviews. <laughs> like there's no stopping reviews, right? We live in this like collaborative economy where everyone is reviewing everything. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, a podcast that brings you insights and tactics from the greatest SaaS minds across the world. The show is brought to you by SaaStock, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, returning to Dublin in October 15th to the 17th, 2018. I'm your host, Alex Sumer, CEO at SaaStock. If you've recently subscribed to this podcast, thanks for joining and a warm welcome. Hope you find what we do is valuable and useful. I've spent the last three years interviewing SaaS leaders from around the world, in those interviews, they uncover their frameworks, processes, and lessons learned on the way to growth. They also share their struggles and tell how they overcame them. There is over 100 episodes you can browse through and listen to. To get a good overview, why not start with episode 100, aired two months ago, where we share wisdom from seven of the previous guests. On this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I talk with Ryan Benici, CMO at G2 Crowd, about empowering the voice of customer in your marketing activities. Before Ryan headed the marketing activities of G2 Crowd, he used it as one of the two main sources of figuring out whether to apply for a certain company. It told him how much customers enjoyed their product, a clear sign of an upward growth. This is how he would determine if it was worth the leap. His career choices have taken him from Exact Target and Salesforce all the way to HubSpot and now G2 Crowd. Through all that, he has tasted very different flavors of marketing, from spending big enterprise budgets to building a frugality ROI muscle in SMBs. As a marketplace, which is much about B2C as it is about B2B, in G2 Crowd, Ryan gets to combine skills from each of his jobs, and he loves it. What unites his efforts is empowering the voice of customer through reviews. Listen on to hear how the customer voice evolves as a company grows and how to be prepared for some common pitfalls. When a company starts out, right, like when there's like 5, 10, maybe even 15 employees, one of their biggest marketing channels is word of mouth. So if you think of like a, whether you're a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or someone that runs a lemonade stand, like typically when you're building things out, like your product and your service is so important because you want to like create really happy customers that will then tell their customers. As companies grow and scale up, they lose touch of how important the experience is and how much like kind of preference they placed on that when they were early starting. Where to start with getting reviews? literally speak to your account managers or wh however your like business is set up if you have customer success managers or renewal managers whomever um and literally just ask them like who like everyone who we, who are our top customers and then i'd say the ceo should then reach out to like the equivalent at those customer companies and just say hey it sounds like you guys are really enjoying us and using our product or service we'd really appreciate it if um you could leave a review of our service how to measure the effects of word of mouth one of the smartest things to do is like, and what we do at, within our CRM, we have an opportunity source, right? So like what source the opportunity? Was it, you know, nurturing via email? Was it like social media? Was it um, a, an ad campaign or was it customer? Um, and so we actually like measure the referral source of opportunity. At SaaStock, Ryan will take us through his decade-long experience in marketing, picking up the five most important lessons he learned. We'll hear much more marketing wisdom on the SaaStock stage from the likes of Dave Gerhardt, VP of Marketing at Rocketship Drift, Megan Eisenberg, CMO at MongoDB, Ryan Carson, CMO at Okta, Kieran Flanagan, VP of Marketing at HubSpot, and many, many more. 
You can catch Ryan together with Dave and Kieran at the Growth Marketing Bootcamp during our SaaS City uh, One Day Accelerator Day on October the 15th, where they'll share practical tactics and frameworks to achieve hypergrowth. If you're interested, places are limited, so grab a ticket for SaaS Doc and claim your spot at the bootcamp now. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, Ryan Benici, uh, CMO at G2 Crowd. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, no, great to have you on the uh, uh, on the podcast. Finally, I think the first uh, G2 Crowd. Uh, do you call yourselves? What do you call yourselves? G2 Crowders. Uh, we call ourselves part of the crowd, but yeah, G2 Crowders works. <laughs> I, I, I always make a stab at these things. Sometimes I, I, I get it right, but. Uh, <laughs> But Ryan, um, so actually, you, we, uh, we we sort of just discussed. We we very briefly met in London just before SaaS Stock on Tour London. But actually, um, apart from being the, the CMO G two crowd, uh, I know like a little bit about you, but n- not much. Uh, um, and like, tell the audience as well who who may not have heard about you, uh, who you are, and and like you know, include a little bit about. Uh, your background, something, you know, personally and, you know, what you're doing now as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, gosh, I started my career in marketing about a decade ago um, down in Sydney, Australia. So, from Australia originally, parents are European, so from Italy and Malta. Um, And I just was one of those, like, kids that weirdly always knew they wanted to be a marketer and and specifically actually a CMO, which is the weirdest thing. Um, I don't know where that came from. I think it may have come from kind of like the image of like the Mad Men era or just like that kind of advertising executive vibe, I think is what I was going for when I was younger. Um, and I'm really glad that I'm not in the ad world, actually. I much prefer marketing myself. Um, but yeah, started kind of down under um, and funnily enough, kind of started my career actually as a flight attendant internationally for Qantas Airways um, and did that for a few years while studying at the same time and earning some money to buy home and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, and then kind of like got into the tech marketing bubble from really early on, started my career at Microsoft. Um, and then from Microsoft, I was really focused on B2C marketing at Microsoft. And that was kind of one of the only times in my career I did B2C and I really enjoyed it. Um, but then I quickly moved over to a company called Exact Target, um, and I was doing enterprise B2B marketing there. So, you know, when you're marketing to businesses that are enterprise businesses, the marketing strategies, the marketing levers that you use are really different from B2C. So there's a lot more face-to-face, there's a lot more case studies, there's a lot more kind of just like relationship building activities um, and, you know, really kind of like built out that playbook, started to enjoy that playbook, but then wanted more. And so um, around that time, Exact Target was acquired by a little company called Salesforce. Um, and Salesforce also just absolute machines when it comes to enterprise B2B marketing, as well as kind of full stack B2B marketing. So continued doing that for a few more years and then moved to a company called HubSpot, which most people, I'm sure, if they're marketers listening to this will know HubSpot. Um, and HubSpot was the first time I really kind of lent into SMB B2B marketing. Um, and HubSpot has such scale because of the content that they've created that their, their business is really unique in that it functions actually a lot like a B2C business, like web traffic and social and um, really quite different to your typical B2B business because of the way they've built content. And so it was really fun to be able to build out those skills of mine as a marketer actually because 
you know, I want to eventually run and start my own business. And I was never going to have millions of marketing budget dollars that I would have had a, you know, a sales force or an exact target or a G2 crowd even. And so, um, so yeah, really kind of built out my, I think my, like my ROI focused marketing muscle, you could maybe say when I was at HubSpot. Um, and then since then have moved to G2 crowd, which is probably the most exciting and enjoyable and challenging marketing role I've ever been in because we're quite like unique in that we're a marketplace. So on one side of our business, we're very B2C. So we use content to track people through um, SEO and through, you know, web search. Um, and on the other side of our business, we're full stack B2B. So we sell to small and medium startups. We sell to mid-market companies and we sell to like large enterprises that, you know, might be making billions in revenue a year. And so, um, as a marketer, it's kind of really enjoyable and a lot of fun actually to be across so many different elements of marketing. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a high level. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, a high level stroke uh, in depth is uh, really, really good to kind of hear your hear your journey. And you know, I guess you know, from uh, it, it's a nice story from flight attendant to the CMO at, at G two Crowd. What was it that that you you know you, you're working uh, you know at HubSpot? Uh, you get a call or email to you know, hey, look, you know, we, we're, we're G2 Crowd, we want you to come over and, and, and run marketing. What, what, what was it that made you, uh, got you interested and made you sort of make the leap? Yeah, it was really, really interesting. So I've always, um, whenever I've decided on what companies to work for, I've always really used two kind of like data sources, mainly anyways. So like first is Glassdoor. I'm a big fan of Glassdoor and actually looking at like, is this a culture that the employees actually enjoy working at? Um, and then I would always actually pre G2 crowd, even always look at G2 crowd because like, it's great if a company's culture is really incredible, obviously, but if they have a product or a service that sucks and their customers don't like them, then like, there's only so like long that a great culture will last because the company will go under. So I always use when I was like joining exact target, when I was joining HubSpot, when I was part of Salesforce, always looked at G2 crowd as like that source for like which companies were going on the up, I guess you could say. So I was super familiar with G2 Crowd. We leveraged G2 Crowd in a big way as part of our marketing at HubSpot and at Salesforce and at Exact Target as well. So already was just like very intimately well aware of the company. And my my CMO from Exact Target was also on our board at G2 Crowd. So I knew a lot of people that were part of the G2 Crowd ecosystem and just was very familiar with it myself. Um, so yeah, when they reached out about a year ago, it was like a, you know, a really great chat. Um, and it wasn't really the right time when Godard, our CEO reached out. Um, and then I think he reached back out about six months after that first time. Um, cause we had a really good chat, but I just wasn't at the right point in my career to leave HubSpot. Um, and when he reached out again, kind of it, it things just aligned. And so yeah, it worked out, it worked out well. Very cool. And uh, um, so, I mean, talking about, I, I guess, sort of now, you, you know, um, not only your role in G2 Crowd, but something that uh, that, that you believe in, uh, which obviously ties in sort of nicely into, uh, I, I guess, the service that sort of G2 Crowd offers. But, um, you know, around the, 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 the voice of customer in, in marketing and the, the I, I guess, um, the, the value of that and why other SaaS companies should be thinking about that, um, you, you know, let, let, let's discuss that into why, why you believe this is important, um, you know, how you've implemented that sort of throughout your career. Um, and, and now, you, you know, uh, how you look at the voice of customer in your current sort of role uh, and, and the importance of that for SaaS companies. 
Yeah, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, actually, because if you think about it, um, and I, I really got to kind of get to know a small, medium business buyer when I was working at HubSpot, because a lot of HubSpot's customers, they're 40-ish thousand around the world, maybe more now. Um, they're all small, medium businesses. And I was always chatting to them to like learn about how they were growing. And it was really interesting because like when a company starts out, right, like when there's like 5, 10, maybe even 50 employees, one of their biggest marketing channels is word of mouth. Right. So if you think of like a, whether you're a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or someone that runs a lemonade stand, like typically when you're building things out, like your product and your service is so important because you want to like create really happy customers that will then tell their customers. And I think like what happens and it's like a problem is that like as companies grow and scale up, they lose touch of how important like the experience is and how much like kind of preference they placed on that when I was early starting. And this is like a problem that I see like in every single SaaS company in any, in any business really that scales up quickly is that like a year or two into scale, right? Everything becomes all about optimization and conversion rates and um, people like lose touch, I think of their customers. And so SaaS businesses, like the biggest thing that kills a software company is churn, right? Customer churn. Whether that's, you know, whether you're a service business or not really, churn like rate becomes more of an issue as your customer base increases. And what always happens is then software companies kind of do like a 180 and then they're like, oh, we need to become customer obsessed again. Let's go back. Let's learn what our customers want from our product or service. And then they try and fix it. And it's really hard, I think, to fix like a ship that's like going really quickly while also trying to steer it at the same time. And so... I think I've just seen that, that that play out so many times and it's just something that I think, yeah, I've been thinking so much more about is like, how do you actually scale up business really quickly by not losing touch of your customers along the way? And I think that's where we're really focused on is helping software companies and service companies get really connected to their customers and learn what it is that their customers like, what they don't like, what they want to see in the future. And help connect those two sides of the equation really so that so that software and service companies that are customers of ours can grow as quickly and as kind of sustainably as possible. But then also on the flip side, so that like buyers that are coming to buy software or services can find the best software for them. And that's a big thing of what we're trying to teach software companies that it's not always about like finding any customer. It's about finding the best fit customer for you because not every customer is right for every product or service. So, um, I guess a couple of things there. On the on the word of mouth uh, side of things, um, there are like I agree, it's like super important. And in the early days, it's very sort of also difficult to kind of measure. Uh, you know, whether it's a SaaS company or events company, or you, you, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it's quite a tricky one to kind of measure. You know that you're getting a number of uh, um, I guess kind of purchases via word of mouth, but. You know what? What what are uh, the the best kind of sources for measure measurement uh, that that you would sort of recommend? In, um, you you know uh, to have a look at word of mouth uh, as a channel. Yeah, it's, so that's interesting. I'd say like when when most companies grow and start to like think about lead source, right? Like as they scale up, they lose touch of like this referral concept as a lead source, and they would typically think of like email or social or web. Um, and so I'd say like one of the smartest things to do is like, and what we do at G2 Crowd is like within our CRM, we have an opportunity source, right? So like what source the opportunity? Was it, you know, nurturing via email? Was it like social media? Was it um, a, an ad campaign or was it a customer? Um, and so we actually like, 
measure the referral source of opportunities. And we obviously want to see that our customers are generating more and more opportunities for us because that's like indicative as a lag measure of like their willingness to stay with us and their success with our platform. So that'd be one of like most simplest ways that we actually measure it with like a, a tight alignment to revenue. But then I think I'd say like, you know, your more traditional things such as like net promoter score also can be really effective too. And I'd say that'd be like the easiest area to start with is actually getting a survey like that out to your customers. Where I think though a lot of companies do this wrong is they don't build that sort of like customer journey and customer feedback loop into their existing process. And so a problem happens, right? They, their churn rate starts increasing and then they, they're like, oh, we need to like send a survey out to all of our customers and work out who likes us and who doesn't. Um, and it doesn't really work that way because like all of those people and all of those businesses will be at different stages of their kind of like journey with you as, as a vendor. So like some of them that maybe are one month in will be really happy versus some that are like two years in may not and they won't respond to the survey. So actually like building in triggers into your onboarding of new customers. So it might be like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and you know, 180 days, 360 days where you start to actually like check in on that same measure and how you then start to see how it's moving up and down. Um, so email is obviously a great way to do that. But if you've got a website or, or an online tool that people are coming back to, in-app is always best, right? So if they're actually using your service or they're on your website, actually like popping something up that says like on a scale of one to 10, like would you refer us to a friend or family? Um, you know, and I was just using a tool this morning that we use internally for our own employee net promoter score. And they had a pop-up for me as like a net promoter score to see if I was liking their service. So, you know, things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and on the, the, the sort of ratings and reviews and, you know, sites like G2 Crowd are, you know, providing this service you mentioned, obviously, when you're at HubSpot that, you, you know, you're looking at which companies are, uh, are, are on the up. And, of course, also if you're, you know, making buying decisions on software, um, you know, platforms like G2 Crowd, you know, provide the, the, this uh, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, like shop sort of catalog in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, here, here is the feedback. But like, what, what sort of results do you see for like companies that are, um, you, you know, are getting listed on uh, like re- referral platforms or marketplaces, um, mm. to, like the, the value return of investment, you know, for, for their business of doing something like this? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, so it's something that's really, really interesting. So in the past, like the way we would have measured something like that would have been literally by like the number of reviews they have and their sales team would then be leveraging all of their review content and their standing, say on a G2 crowd grid in their own sales cycle. And what we would typically have them measure is the deals that were influenced by G2 crowd or where you were able to kind of like put G2 crowd content in front of your future customer to that increase your close rates. What we're finding now though, and that still works obviously, but what's really interesting is over the last 12 or so months, we released this new product, which we actually sell directly to software companies and service companies, and it's called buyer intent. And so basically what we do is if you're a, say you're a CRM company and you're listed on like the CRM software grid on G2 crowd, we allow you to actually license like the buyer intent of companies that are coming to that category. Um, and what we start to show you is that like what percentage of that total traffic then is coming from the CRM category to your profile and who those companies actually are. So we allow you to know who is actively in the market buying. And a lot of our customers and what they really like about that is the fact that like they see as they get more and more reviews, 
they get more and more traffic to their profile and more and more time is spent on their profile. So it actually becomes now like less gray, I guess, to make those measurements clear because it's really like positively correlated. The more reviews you have and naturally the more positive reviews you have, the longer someone's going to stay on your profile, the more they're going to like research you and the more likely they will be to literally click the like request a demo on our site. So it's pretty like connected dot to dot. How do, how do those, like, re- getting reviews, <clears throat> you know, can be challenging, like, mm-hmm. certainly for, more so for some maybe the, uh, than others. You, imagine if you're kind of like an early stage, uh, like, SaaS company. Um, now, how do you go about, like, building out uh, reviews? Um, you know, what's your advice around that? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, I think it just, again, comes back down to, like, that customer journey map or that experience map that you build out. And so... You know, I think you always want to have CTAs throughout your content when someone's engaging with something that you make that's maybe free um, to ask them to review you, right? So if you have a blog that generates lots of traffic, like having a pop-up that comes up to someone that's like a very active user. So you may have a, a trigger that's like, if someone comes back to my blog 10 times in a month, pop up the net promoter score survey to them because naturally like they're telling you through like their leading metric of visits that like they're really liking your content. So naturally you want to get like a pop-up in front of them. You probably don't want to get a pop-up in front of someone that's only been on your site once and is about to bounce because they're probably not having a great experience, right? You don't want that to hurt your average. So building those in is really just like what you need to do. And so, you know, if it's a podcast like this, for example, or like having a CTA like this right now, like if you're listening to this and you like this podcast, please like head over to this short URL, which is whatever the short URL would be and review us. Um, Like doing things like that, I think just having those flags for someone to take action is really important. We also work with a lot of our um, customers and non-customers to help them understand that naturally, if you incentivize a review, then you can create a a higher conversion rate. And that's not to say you're incentivizing a positive review because you can never really control that at the end of the day. But you may say like, hey, we'll give you unlimited access for, you know, an additional 12 months if you leave a review. Um, but you can't ask for what type of review to leave, obviously, because that would be a little bit dodgy. I mean, should, should, you, should you be worried if you were uh, a SaaS company and you didn't necessarily have a, uh, a strategy uh, around sort of like, re- you know, referral platforms like in, in this day and age, uh, considering the amount of com- uh, competition that there is? Yeah. The, the funny thing is, like, so when, so when some kind of, I would say, maybe like laggard or a little bit slower to move companies will come on board with us, we always have this very kind of funny slash revealing conversation where they say, like, well, what if someone reviews us and leaves a negative review? And it's almost like they don't realize that they've already got hundreds of reviews. <laughs> like, there's no stopping reviews, right? We live in this, like, collaborative economy where everyone is reviewing everything. I don't know if you've seen that, like one of those Black Mirror episodes where it's like everyone like reviews their interactions with people and that's like taking it to the extreme. But like some companies don't realize that like there are reviews of their products and services already on our site before they even sign. So it's like, hey, this has already happened. <laughs> this is like, we're just helping you kind of get on top of it. Um, but anyway, just to your kind of like earlier question, I'd say that where they should generally start even if they don't have a plan in place is literally speak to your account managers or however your like business is set up if you have customer success managers or renewal managers whomever um and literally just ask them like who like everyone who who are our top customers 
And then I'd say the CEO should then reach out to like the equivalent at those customer companies and just say, hey, it sounds like you guys are really enjoying us and using our product or service. We'd really appreciate it if um, you could leave a review of our service. And just start small. You don't have to like aim for 100 reviews. Like you don't even have to aim for 10 reviews. Just aim for more than you had yesterday. Um, and again, if you build customer experience and customer delight into everything that you do, you'll be able to foster that more easily. So, you know, we just ran um, a campaign last weekend, for example, where we just literally selected like 10 of our happiest customers and we sent them like two dozen, we sent each of them two dozen like really fancy pants donuts from a really cool donut company. It probably cost us a hundred bucks per customer, right? Like, you know, not much money. And we got social sharing from it and everything like that. And we had a little like, you know, card printed inside the donuts that said, hope this like delight, like brings a little bit of a smile to your Friday. You probably had a hard week. Congrats. P.S. Like if you love G2 crowd, leave us a review. You know what I mean? Like it's not I, that hard I, while you're eating your donut to then leave. I think I actually, <laughs> I actually saw some donut sharing uh, happening uh, last week. So I, I saw that. Um, so that's yeah. it. Good idea. What you you mentioned? Uh, oh well, I mean, as we know, like you can't please everybody. Um, you you know, you're, there's always going to be somebody that uh, may leave a, a negative review, right? Um, what happens when you get a negative review? Uh, what is the is there a strategy you know around that? Do you ignore it? Do you bury your head in the sand? Do you call them up? Uh, exacerbate the situation even more? Um, yeah. What, what, what's the what do you do? I think you just always need to use good judgment, right? And if the review is fair, like like own up to it um, and call it out and then indicate what you're doing to fix it or to fix like the problem if it was a one-off thing or if it was a more kind of systemic issue. Um, I think like response is always the most important thing. Like what we find in our data is if you have negative reviews and you've not responded to them, then that makes obviously you less likely to become a purchase target for someone that's looking to buy software. Now, if you've responded to someone and say they left a review that said, hey, like this tool wasn't really good for us. We're a small or medium business and this felt like an enterprise tool. That's where you'd reply back to them and say, like, and if your tool is more of an enterprise, they'll say, yeah, you're right. This, this is definitely more of an enterprise tool. We're sorry that that wasn't clearer during like the sales process, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like what that's doing is like for enterprise prospects now that are coming to your profile and reading that they're seeing that, Oh, cool. We thought this was an enterprise tool and this is right for us. We've just gotten another data point that it is in fact for explicitly us. Right. Cause like not every product will ever work for any single person or any single business. Um, everything is specific to your own needs. And if your salespeople are kind of like broadening that, then I think that's obviously something that you need to work on with them so that they know who specifically the buyer persona is that should be buying from you. Um, but yeah, I think that's not a bad thing. You just need to kind of use good judgment in terms of how you respond. Um, I, respond. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> uh, and then just, I guess moving slightly away from the topic of, you know, voice of customer and, uh, and reviews, uh, what, what is something, you, you know, now you're, you're seeing my at a G2 crowd. And as you said, you know, like a marketplace, SaaS marketplace, what, what are a couple of things that you're doing in marketing that you think are really interesting, uh, to kind of help grow G2 crowd that the audience might be interested in? Yeah, sure. So I think one of the things that I learned um, really quickly at HubSpot was that HubSpot really doesn't do any brand campaigns. Um, HubSpot kind of believes, and I, and I think I believe this now too, is that 
the, your brand is like built over time by the value you create in people that are coming to your site or using your tools or services. Um, and I think a lot of companies get really fixated in like running a brand campaign, thinking that like that will increase their brand or like change their brand. Um, and that sometimes can help with like messaging, right, around product or service if you need to do repositioning or retargeting there. But in terms of like gen- like generally growing awareness in like a favorable way, it rarely will ever do that much because a brand is much more about like what people say about you when you're not in the room than when you're in the room telling them what you actually are. <laughs> and so I think like learning from that and having all of those experiences, one thing that we're really focused on now is is building really helpful and usable content around each of kind of the pillars of personas that are on our site. So if you take our site and think of like a buyer's journey, right? So let's say I'm a salesperson and I'm going to Google and I'm searching for, um, you know, um, cold calling strategies or, um, you know, like sales email templates. That's indicative of like my awareness of a problem, right? Like I am not as good of a sales rep as I would like to be. So I'm on Google and I'm searching for something to make me better at sales. Um, and now say like I then come to a blog post on DT Crowd about like, here's some great templates that you can use to help you, you know, convert leads more easily over email. We would try and pull them in on this like awareness content and then take them down to consideration of, hey, like there's some really great tools that you could use to make your email outreach better, such as outreach.io or Gong or Yesware or HubSpot sales. Um, and I'd say in the past, we really only focused on creating content around the software themselves. So like when someone knew they needed sales optimization software, we would help them work out the best piece of software for their needs. We never really kind of went higher up in the funnel around like, creating content to help people with strategy when they're in the moment and they're trying to work out what to do, but they don't know that there's software or services that can actually help them. So we're really focused on building out that content um, as well as kind of academy-esque content to help them do their job better. And then, and so by doing that, we're generating a, a bigger database and generating more email subscribers that we can then kind of nurture and move down into like the software funnel. So I'd say we're, you know, we're really using that inbound playbook that HubSpot and a great job at building. Um, and that's one of like the many, I guess, kind of levers that we're pulling um, on the marketing team today. We've also got a massive customer marketing team here at G2 Crowd just because that's such an important referral channel for us and probably the most like underrated channels in marketing. So, yeah. Roughly how, how big is the customer marketing team? around five people in customer marketing, which I know it doesn't seem that large, but when you take like marketing at GT Crowd, it's only around 25 people. Like that's quite large. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I compare that to say like, you know, other companies that I've worked for that might have like a 200 person marketing team and I'll only have one customer marketer. Like when I put that into perspective, that seems like a pretty high um, proportion of customer marketers. Most Most marketing businesses are very focused on net new right so like 95 99 of the team will be very like net new focused as opposed to focusing on net new but through customers so makes sense uh, and so we're coming to the end of the show because uh, uh, running out of uh, time a little bit but um the final uh, couple of questions obviously you're um, uh, joining us in dublin in october um for for sasdoc 18 um what what can we expect to hear from you um uh, in in dublin yeah, so I think what I'm talking about in Dublin, if I'm correct, is really I'm like kind of the five sort of biggest strategies and tactics that I've learned as a B2B marketer in the last kind of decade or so. 
around like what some of the world's most innovative companies like Salesforce and HubSpot and Exact Target and Microsoft have taught me about how to grow and scale a business fast, but also really sustainably. So I um I really like to kind of focus on content in my talks. It's like really tactical, which I know is quite like the opposite of most CMOs, but I just find like there's too many talks there today that are like super strategy focused and inspiring, but like you don't leave the session feeling like you can actually do anything with the strategy other than feel inspired. So I'm hoping that like I can inspire people through like simple tactics that are like really ROI focused for their business. Awesome. Sounds good. Looking forward to seeing that and uh, uh, meeting up again um, uh, in person. And uh, and uh, just uh, finally, we, we like to kind of end the show to ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane in, the, in, in your journeys. Uh, so, so what's your way? Gosh, I don't know if I ever am totally sane or healthy. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of um, this actually, like, it's like a headband that has like an EEG in it for meditation. And it's called the Muse, the Muse headband, big fan of it. And it basically like teaches people that aren't great with meditation, how to meditate because it like literally monitors your brain waves while you're doing it and gives you biofeedback at the same time. So yeah, Muse is a big fan of like what kind of helps me stay sane, I think as well as just exercise and eating well. Okay. Well, uh, no, haven't heard of that before, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll check out. that out. Uh, well, Ryan, look, uh, you've been a great guest. Thanks for being on the show and, uh, and sharing those uh, insights. Um, look forward to seeing you again in, in Dublin. And, uh, yeah, just thanks again for being uh, Same on here. Thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, congrats on the build-up to the event. I'm excited. That's right. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and have picked up valuable lessons from Ryan Benici on empowering the voice of customer and their reviews. We would love to get your reviews for this podcast as it makes a huge difference in more people finding it and tuning in. Thanks for listening and see you next time.